well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. So I want you to imagine a scenario with me this morning, if you would. Imagine that you have come home and you sit down on your couch and you're about to watch some television and you grab a snack. Let's say it's a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, something like that. And you're sitting there and you're watching TV and you're eating your Doritos and all of a sudden you hear a knock on your door and you weren't expecting anybody. You didn't have any Amazon packages ordered and so... You decide to go check it out, and you go to the door, and you open it, and there's two people standing there, and they're both wearing very official-looking polos, and on their polos, there is a USA Olympic logo. And they inform you that they've been doing a lot of research, and that they have decided that you are to be chosen to run the marathon in the Olympics. This comes as a shock to you, because you're not much of a runner, In fact, the most running you've done was earlier in the week when the dog got away on the leash and you had to take off after the dog. And so you're not a runner at all, and so this is very shocking. And they explain to you why this is the case, and they hope that you'll consider it, and then they leave. After they leave, and after the shock of what's happened passes, you're gripped by the realization of what's happening in your life. And you start to picture what this might mean for you. You picture yourself mingling with the elite athletes of the world. You allow yourself to imagine that maybe, maybe you do have what it takes to run the race. At night, when you put your head on the pillow, you dream about standing on the podium after the race, hearing the national anthem being played, seeing the flag raised, bending low to have a gold medal put around your neck. And you begin to feel this rush of emotion, and you say to yourself, you know, maybe this, maybe this is the race that I was created to run. Maybe this is my destiny. Maybe this is why I was born. And this race becomes the great passion of your life. It dominates your mind. It occupies every waking moment that you have. To run the race well, to maybe even win it if you can, becomes the central focus of your existence. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. It's what you live for. Now maybe, as I imagine this scenario with you, maybe this is hard to imagine. Maybe this doesn't feel very realistic for you at the moment. And so I want to give you a a different scenario to imagine. This one I, I do believe is a lot more likely and realistic. And it's this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you run a race. It too is the race of a lifetime. It also should dominate your mind. Occupy your waking moments. Become the central focus of your existence. It is what you live for. And in this race, like the Olympic race, you have been chosen. You've been selected for it. But this time, however, the Olympic committee is not selecting. God has chosen you. God has picked you for this race to run. He has chosen you to run the race of a lifetime. And you realize, man, you've got some work to do. Running this race is going to require some things of you. It'll take discipline. It'll take focus. It'll take effort. 
It'll take the encouragement of maybe a team surrounding you as you try to live this life of someone who is going to run the race of Christ. This week, we're going to start VBS. actually starts tomorrow morning. I know Eric mentioned it earlier, but just in case maybe you were doing something else, VBS is tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, 9 to 11. If you would love to help and you're like, well, I didn't sign up to help. I probably can't. No, 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 no. You, you can still help. Please come and talk to us if you would love to help with Vacation Bible School. And if you've got a kid um, ages 2 to 5th grade who wants to participate, we'd love to have them for it. With the Olympics coming up, I think the Olympics are still going to happen. With the Olympics coming up, we've got kind of an Olympic theme that we're going with, which is why the stage looks like this. And so we thought it would be fun to also, over the next few weeks, kind of have this same mindset. And we're going to look at four characteristics of someone that they should have who is trying to run the race of faith. And this morning we're going to look at this first characteristic, and it is the characteristic of discipline. Discipline. Now sometimes we hear the word discipline, especially when you're younger, you don't like that word. You think about the thing that parents or teachers do to you, right? That's not exactly the type of discipline that we're going to be looking at this morning. Discipline is something that is required of us in order for us to achieve the goals that we have in life. And the discipline, the way that I want to look at it this morning, is this way. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Sometimes those two things are very different. And sometimes the thing that you want most we don't make the choices that lead us to that point. We're very inconsistent. We know what we desire. We know the things that we want to do in life, but we make choices that do not reflect that. And here's the thing about making these choices. Most of the time, we know the choices that need to be made. We know the things that need to be done. It's not like some big secret, but instead of choosing what we want most, we choose the things that we want now. So this morning I want to look at a couple passages that focus on training us to win what matters most. And the first passage we're going to look at is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you want to flip there for just a minute, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The scriptures oftentimes will use athletic illustrations to describe the life of focus and discipline and perseverance that followers of Jesus need in order not just to complete the challenges that we face in life, but also to spread the gospel. And even if we aren't athletic, we've experienced the excitement of watching a basketball game or the Olympics or maybe your child compete in a track meet. Due to this, we all have a decent idea about how strict and rigorous the life of an athlete can be. In this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, he uses an illustration on the strict discipline that athletes must implement to complete to compete for the athletic prize. Every activity that we're involved in requires hard work and discipline. But in the Christian life, it can be easy to get in the mindset that, you know what, if I'm a Christian, I've already succeeded. I've already got the prize. I've been saved. I'm set for eternity without any more effort. But here's the thing. Our spiritual life requires discipline if we're going to run the race of life well and bring others along with us. So let's look together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Here's what Paul says. He says this. In our first verse here, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? 
run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul begins by stating, do you not know? Well, the answer is, obviously, they did know. You see, the people of Corinth, they would have connected with Paul's metaphor especially well. Their city was the host to some of these games, some of the games that were connected to the Olympic Games. And so they were very well connected with these big, elaborate athletic competitions that are being referred to here. And so Paul begins his athletic illustration by stating that in a race, every runner competes. However, only one receives the prize. Paul then instructs the believers to run to win or to run that you may obtain it. There's a way that we're supposed to be running this race. In our spiritual race, we are not competing against other believers to win the prize. Sometimes it feels that way right? That we're competing against other people. Sometimes even churches, it can feel competitive between them, but that's not the way that it's supposed to be at all. Church, uh, this race of faith that we're part of, is not a competition against one another. In, In many ways, it's a competition against ourselves. We're seeking to faithfully complete the individual races that God has set before each of us and to gain our prize. And then going on in verse 25, Paul says this, says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. In the games that they were a part of, the winners of those games, the victor's prize, originally it was a crown of dry wild celery. Well, that's a great prize to get. But it was changed over time to a pine wreath in Roman times because pine was sacred to Poseidon. And so you'd get this pine wreath was the victor's prize. Yay, it's amazing. The problem with this is that over time, what's going to happen to this crown, to this trophy that you get? Well, it would wither. It would break. It wouldn't last. So this is not a great prize to receive. As believers, we are running for an eternal crown. And having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love. That's from James chapter 1, verse 12. Paul then goes on in his illustration, verse 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Another translation says it this way. It says, so I run with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. What we're doing is not just, well, let's just see if this sticks. Let's see if this works. What we're doing is there's a purpose and intention behind it. There's meaning behind the choices that we're making every single day in this race of faith that we're a part of. Self-discipline is really about choosing what you want most over what you want now. And then in verse 27, it says this, chapter 9. It says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Another translation says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. There's a part of what we're doing. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes us doing the little things each day to get us to where that we know that we want to be. Willpower alone, just wanting it, is not going to be enough. And so here's, here's another point that I'd like to make desires don't determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. Those choices that we make every single day, 
That's part of who we become. And so this thing that we want most in life, well, it, it sounds great, but the way that we get to it is by making those choices every single day. But then the problem that comes up is we realize, man, I'm not where I want to be. We get frustrated by that. We feel the inconsistency of it. And so there's another passage that I want to refer to. Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he reflects on this feeling of inconsistency. And to me, there is no passage that is more relatable than what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Here's what he says. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. It almost sounds a little confusing at first when you read it, kind of like a tongue twister. But I think what he's saying is extremely relatable. Paul recognizes, listen, there's things that I want to do in life. There's things that I know that I should do, but I'm not doing those things. And the things that I don't want to be doing, these things that I hate, those are the things that I'm actually doing. It's this life of inconsistency that I find so relatable. Paul is struggling with something that I think many of us struggle with, and it's making the choices every day to live the life that we're supposed to live. And it's not like it's some big mystery, maybe even what we're supposed to do. And I think this applies to many aspects in life. Our families, our marriages, our work, spiritually. Many times we know those steps that we need to take. We have the goal in mind of what we want most for each of these areas in life. But instead of making the small choices each day, many times we do the choice of the other side. We, we do the things that we don't want to be doing, and then we look back and we reflect, and we're like, why did I do that? Why am I making these choices that are so inconsistent with where I want to be in life? Paul continues this thought, and he goes on in verse 18. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And I know that's a lot there in that verse, but I can connect with this, right? Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I keep doing these things over and over again that I keep telling myself I'm not going to do. And it's frustrating. Sometimes it can make us even just like, I'm just going to quit trying. But I love that Paul continues this thought. He goes on later in verse 24 and he says, What a wretched man I am. Another translation, he says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? That's an important question. Sometimes we can feel the way that Paul's described. We can be so frustrated with where we're at in life. We can recognize how undisciplined we are and how we're not making the decisions that we should make. And so the the question that gets brought up here is, who can deliver me? Who can rescue me from the situation that I find myself in? And the answer is found in verse 25. And I'm very thankful that Paul continues on with verse 25. He says this, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the answer is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who can deliver me? It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. With Christ's help, we can change. With Christ's help, we can make the steps and decisions that we need to make in order for our lives to look differently. And in order for the race that we're running to be the race that we should be a part of. Christ in me 
is stronger than my appetites. Christ in me is stronger than the desires that I have to do the things that I shouldn't be doing. Christ in me allows for our families and our marriages and our work and our spiritual life to be in the places that we want them to be. But it starts with making small decisions every day. Taking small steps. Every race starts with that first step. This past week, we went on a mission trip with our youth group. And I will say it was, it was really great to be back. It had been two years kind of since we'd done any big trip like this. And so we went to Atlanta, and we've done this for many years, to work with uh, this organization called Corners Outreach. And the way that, that it works is they have these different campsites where they try to serve these families that are in need um, of a number of different things. And so we were working at two campsites, and kind of the, the mission that we went into, the focus that we went into with the work each day was, hey, we're going to be here from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., And our job is to basically bring a cup of cold water and love. The same mindset that Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 10. To bring this cup of cold water and love to the children and to the adults that are at this camp. And our our teens did great. They were wonderful at just loving on these kids and building relationships with them and playing with them and doing the different crafts and activities with the children there. And we talked about throughout the week, each night we would do this reflection time where we sat in a circle and everybody went around and and said where they saw God working that day. Sometimes you get some answers that were a little different, right? But for the most part, people really caught on to this. The impact that it has in just doing a small action of spending time loving on one of these kids that's there. And at the end of the week on Wednesday night, we had Bible class with the Snellville Church of Christ who was hosting us. And the youth minister there had asked me ahead of time, like, hey, is there something that I should be talking about? And so I I talked about this idea, bringing a cup of cold water and love, uh, maybe of like small things that make a big difference. And so that was what his class was about. And he told a story in this class that I had, I'd never heard of before. And maybe, maybe you hadn't either. And the story that he told that referenced this idea of small things making a big difference was about this key It was this crow's nest key uh, that was connected to the Titanic. And recently, a few years ago, this key sold for over $100,000. And here's the story behind it. Many people believe that this small key is the reason why the Titanic sunk. And here's why. This key opened up the locker that kept the binoculars that were used on the crow's nest. And so people would use these binoculars to see if, I don't know, an iceberg was approaching or they were approaching an iceberg. And what had happened was that the person that was in charge of this key had been transferred to another ship. And when they left, they had this key in their pocket. And so they leave the ship, they have this key, and when it's time, when the Titanic is out in the water, they can't get into the cabinet, the locker that has their binoculars. And so instead of using the binoculars, they just had to use their regular old eyes to see what was coming. And so there are people that believe that if they had had binoculars, they would have seen the iceberg approaching and they would have been able to steer the ship away before it hit. Now, the point he was making was a good one in that this small thing, this key, it could have made a huge difference. Many times in life, The smallest things can make big differences. Maybe it's a small decision each day to spend some time in prayer. 
Or maybe it's a small act of kindness and love that takes you out of your way of what you were going to be doing on that day that you had planned. Small decisions that we make every day can make impactful decisions. But we know this, right? All of us can think back to small interactions or moments. Sometimes maybe it's something that they don't even realize. Another person interacted with us or engaged with us in a way, and they don't even know that it was that big of a deal, but it made a huge difference on us. Small things can make big differences. And that's what is important to understand as we think about discipline. Every day, making small decisions to impact the way that we're going to live our lives can help us get to the place that we're trying to be. As followers of Jesus, we need to make these choices and these decisions. And today, maybe you are here and maybe there is a small step that you need to make. A decision that to many people maybe wouldn't be that big of a decision, but for you it is. Maybe that decision is just to take a step out into the row and to come forward. And in doing so, you can come forward and do a simple thing of asking for prayers. A simple thing that can make a big difference. Having a congregation pray for you and encourage you as you are maybe struggling with something that maybe nobody knows about. Or making the decision to do a simple thing like get into a baptistry with water. That small thing is actually a a really important thing. Because when you are baptized into Christ, it allows your sins to be washed away by the blood of Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you want to make that decision to make that small step, we want to give you that opportunity. If you're here and you need to make a decision to focus on what what matters most instead of just what matters now, we would like to offer you that invitation. So if there's a way that we could pray for you this morning, if there's a way that we could encourage you, let's make that happen now as together we stand and sing.